Welcome to As Told Here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As Told Here brings community media to where you are. Welcome to Midlife Matters, where we celebrate women's wisdom and wit. I'm Georgianne Lucier, your host, and I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Kate Nickel. She is a social worker and the founder and CEO of Soul Friends, which is a nonprofit that provides animal-assisted therapy for children. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. You were inspired to start Soul Friends 16 years ago based on a very personal experience you had with a debilitating illness and the help of a family dog. That is true. Um, I was a social worker actually working at Masonic Care, and I went to work as a regular day, and I came home and noticed some numbness in my legs, went to bed and woke up and was very spastic and went to the hospital and became partially paralyzed from the neck down from a virus. During my recuperation, I noticed that my dog, Sam, who's a mixed breed dog that I rescued six weeks after my first husband died, and with two small children and a puppy, many of my friends and family thought I had made a very big uh, decision that was probably the wrong one Mm -hmm. for the time of my life. But the dog would notice things about my levels of pain, Mm -hmm. if I grimaced or if I was angry and frustrated because I couldn't move. Sam would come and sit by my feet, lick my hand, and just be present at times where things were chaotic or stressful. Had you been introduced to any use of animals in your social work training prior to this? No, I hadn't. And actually, it was kind of a light bulb moment for Mm -hmm. me, particularly that time that I was really angry and frustrated because at the time I had three small children and I couldn't get up off the couch. I said to myself, if I'm going to return to work, I'm going to try to understand what it is about animals that make people feel better. Mm -hmm. And how did that progress? I took an online course in animal-assisted therapy through a college in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then I started on a journey to rescue another puppy mm-hmm. and train him to be a therapy dog. Bear was his name. And he's gone all around Wallingford in the area in the 15 years that he worked. I began to read more. You know, there's studies out there that demonstrate that animals can make children feel better, Mm -hmm. and particularly kids who've been abused oftentimes will speak to their pet instead of an adult. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our first effort was to do a humane education study uh, in a Cheshire public school where we brought um, therapy animals of all kinds into the school, and we did this research with the ASPCA of New York. Okay. And you're saying we, so you got someone to join with you? I had a co-founder, Cindy Trafone, and she also uh, lived in Cheshire with mm-hmm. me and got a puppy at the same time. So we went through training together. She was actually going to school for her master's in counseling, so I supervised her during that time. 
and together we put the mission forward. And what were people's reactions in those early days? Because we're talking like 15 years ago. Right. Yeah, it's different than it is today, um, mostly because of Sandy Hook and people know the benefits of Mm -hmm. therapy animals to those children and families Mm -hmm. at, at that time. 16 years ago, when I had said to people in the field that I I was going to start a nonprofit that incorporates animals, they were surprised, they didn't understand. And then when I added things like rabbits and guinea pigs, Mm -hmm. people understood less. It was really a need to educate people how incorporating animals is not just bringing your dog to the office. Right. Because some therapists bring their dogs to the office. Mm -hmm. That's not really animal-assisted therapy. It's school-directed. You really should have specialized training in how to incorporate animals, mostly for their welfare, as well as for the safety of the people you're serving. Did you go back to work in your social work capacity, or did you stay with this mission to have this nonprofit as you were recovering? I stayed with this mission Mm -hmm. to do the nonprofit. Like I said, we started in an educational setting, Mm -hmm. but within a year and a half, we had a clinical office next to the post office in Wallingford, and from there we grew to where we are now on Church Street. Mm -hmm. We grew from one to two, and now we have five therapists that work uh, in our offices in Wallingford and Waterbury. Wonderful. And what have you learned about the power of animals to um, understand our needs and help us heal? Like, what is there about animals? How do they fit in? Yes, um, I think animals are uh, very skillful at understanding nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, we just had a session with a boy with autism uh, with a horse and the horse would come and approach him and then step back, approach and step back. And the boy said, this horse really understands me in social situations. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. He understands me and I understand him. So a lot of times there's use of metaphors or experiences where animals um, can kind of have the children's feelings put upon them. Mm-hmm. like. You know, Bear is a good dog, I'm a good person, mm-hmm. or Bear was a bad dog, and I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. There's one child that said that um, a couple, many years ago. Okay. But it was, you know, animals can help in ways by reducing our anxiety, reducing depression. There's studies showing they can reduce blood pressure. Um, we did a study on our horse program, and it showed that children. Uh, improve their sense of hopefulness, mm-hmm. which I think is a beautiful thing. And that is a beautiful thing. And it's tied to resilience. Mm-hmm. We've also done studies that showed that incorporating animals in a school setting can help improve peer relationships mm-hmm. and empathy. We're striving to be kind of a leader in the human-animal bond research. Uh, we could always do more, mm-hmm. and there's always more that could be done to understand this field. Oh, it seems like it's endless. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned that you, you've used dogs, cats, horses, guinea pigs, and rabbits, yes. right? Yeah. We had Mary Ellen Crawford on the show years ago, mm-hmm. and she's, in my way of thinking, the bunny lady. Yeah. And she brings her bunnies around to different, or has certainly, when I was speaking with her, to different um, settings. Mm-hmm. One thing, I guess, about the bunnies is they're so docile and fluffy and very um, 
non-threatening. Mm-hmm. Do you tend to find with children that some of them are afraid of some types of animals? They may have had experiences. Yeah, we have um, had kids who've come to us, mostly kids on the autism spectrum, Mm -hmm. who are afraid of dogs. And we create a program of, like, desensitization Mm -hmm. of, you know, seeing dog pictures and seeing a dog across the room Mm -hmm. and then beginning to approach the dog in a way that's comfortable. And I've been thoroughly amazed time after time that kids, even kids who've been bitten by a dog in the past, with a careful therapeutic approach, that they can begin to have a a positive relationship with a dog. So what are, if you can describe the services that Soul Friends provide? So Mm -hmm. someone might be watching and thinking, I wonder if this is something my child or someone I know could benefit from? What's the range of, or how would they approach you? Or? Right now, um, we take referrals for our, from our office. Mm-hmm. Also, you can contact by email. Also, in the Wallingford Public Schools, I'm not sure if many people are aware of that, mm-hmm. but uh, Lori Ratchelis, who works with me, brings her dog Nutmeg into the um, Wallingford Public Schools doing programming, and that's an, a year-long program. Mm-hmm. So many times we've done curriculum-based programs, like eight sessions at a time, and she's developed a year-long curriculum for kids, which is wonderful. Um, we also have group programs uh, for kids with special needs. Um, we go to Edelbrook and uh, Cromwell, and we have a new uh, horse program, which used to be in Cheshire and now is in Meriden. Mm-hmm. I know you've mentioned that you've done studies and you develop curriculum, so it's a scholarly, evidence-based pursuit. It really is, and that's what I wanted um, to do from the beginning, Mm -hmm. which was I know that a dog made me feel better Mm -hmm. by him licking me and me petting him, but I wanted to prove that Sam's presence had a major impact on my life, either even in a way that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. So because I didn't understand, I had lots of questions about in what ways animals can help us heal and in what ways animals can make a difference in our lives. Um, it's wonderful to have a pet, but a therapeutic animal can do lots of things to help build confidence, improve self-esteem, mm-hmm. improve hopefulness, like I said. What resources have there been to help you? I know you took the original, the online course. Mm-hmm. So what other um, things have you availed yourself of that help you to understand and broaden your repertoire and your just mm-hmm. understanding? I just last summer took a five-day training in um, animal-assisted play therapy, mm-hmm. which incorporates the tenets of play therapy into incorporating animals. And that was a fun um, interactive because we interacted with the dogs and the horses during the program. It was very beneficial to see how play could be a part of the interactions. Mm -hmm. And it was important for me to go because a lot of the work that I do is behaviorally based. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of social skills training, cognitive behavioral therapy, and things of that nature with the animal. But this was playful, mm-hmm. and so um, it really uh, brought home to me the importance of being in the present moment when the animal is there and focusing on 
children's sense of playfulness. Mm-hmm. I also just came from a uh, gala training, which is Equine Assisted Growth and Learning Association, mm-hmm. and I'm certified by a gala to do equine assisted psychotherapy, which is all on the ground. There's mm-hmm. no sometimes there's confusion about that. There's mm-hmm. no riding. Mm-hmm. It's not therapeutic riding. It's therapy incorporating the horse. Lots of use of metaphor. Um, but also in the moment, like body awareness, because think of the size of the horse and how you have to be aware of your body and be under controls and have patience. And these are all the things that animals teach us. Just flashed as you were speaking. I remember a movie with, I think, Sandra Bullock about recovery. I think it was an alcoholic uh, program, recovery program. And they had them working with horses Mm -hmm. and just to get the horse to lift their leg so they could look at the hoof Mm -hmm. you have to have cooperation right yes you do and the thing is uh why i like the agala training is because you give the horse a choice Mm -hmm. to interact and whereas with riding you kind of hop on right and you lead the horse Mm -hmm. well in the therapeutic work with dogs and horses we strongly believe in having the animal make a choice to participate. For instance, the other week, the horse decided to munch grass instead of participate for the first 10 minutes Mm -hmm. of the session. And the child led him without leading him or anything and realized, wow, that took a lot of patience for me to wait for Joey to finish eating his grass. Yeah. And he said, I never have patience. Yeah. So it really um, shows that animals can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like I had a light bulb moment when it went off. Kids are having those kind of moments all the time mm-hmm. when they interact with the animals. Do you find like with parents or the caregiver, a grandparent, whomever is responsible for the child, do they need to be involved at some point? Because some may not be sensitized to the power of animals, right? Yeah. Or may not I, be able to reinforce it understand it yeah i think a lot of times uh we could do that better Mm -hmm. to be honest we do include family work as part of our process for instance we would have the child come out of the office and go into the waiting room and show their foster parent or their grandparent Mm -hmm. or their guardian what they learned today so you know they have the dog go through hula hoop Mm -hmm. or do multiple commands so we we include parents in that way. We had worked with one boy with autism who was nonverbal, who didn't um, communicate or even notice his pets at home until he had a therapeutic sessions with our therapy dogs. Mm-hmm. And his mother actually contacted me and said, uh, Nick is now feeding our dog and petting him mm-hmm. at home. And that was like after six sessions. Yeah. That holistic approach as well, right, with people who are with the child when they're not in therapy Mm -hmm. and being able to reinforce perhaps having the child talk about the animals, Mm -hmm. maybe reading books. I mean, different things I imagine that you can do to kind of extend their comfort with animals, right? I I think a lot of times we've created uh, trading cards Mm -hmm. for the animals. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book about incorporating animals um into your into therapy 
someone else who works with us created a book just of pictures of of her dog that we lend out. Mm-hmm. We make collages, um, you know, art projects that include nice. the animals so they can bring that home and use it as a comfort. Right. Because that's what it is. It's, um, you know, the basic underlying part of all this is that the animal provides comfort that sometimes humans can't. Mm-hmm. And you do presentations, and I know you did like a six-part series on a TV show. Mm-hmm and have been on different um, programs. And so what is the um, kind of tone that you pick up out there about people's interest level now, say, compared to when you started? Oh, it's uh, tripled, quadrupled. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is amazing. We get calls all the time about um, kids coming to see us, mm-hmm. incorporating the animals into their lives. It's interesting that we get a lot of calls about emotional support dogs, which is in the news, but we actually don't help with that process or with service dogs. Mm -hmm. But I think really as a result of Sandy Hook, um, people understood the importance of therapy animals, for particularly with kids with Mm -hmm. acute trauma. Mm -hmm. I'm part of a team, uh, as well as Lori is, that does crisis response Mm -hmm. work. Uh, with canine first responders to go into schools like we've gone into schools after a murder of a teenager, you know, the death of a teacher, Mm -hmm. things like that, where we bring the dogs in. Wonderful. So dogs are really a very prominent role in your practice, but you do engage with other animals as well. Yes, but it's, I'd say, you know, it's mainly with the dogs. I had three guinea pigs yeah. uh, that I'd bring into work for a year while I was trying to train my therapy dog. Okay. The dogs are the basic part of it. And how long does it typically take to get a dog through that therapeutic process? It can take a while. It depends upon the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm someone who likes uh, mixed breed dogs or a mutt. A lot of people get dogs, you know, you see that are golden retrievers. Mm-hmm. Or um, I, I kind of like the way the mind of the mutt works and trying to figure out how to help them be a working dog. Mm-hmm. So right now I have a cattle dog mix who, you know, is a herding dog and um, loves to work and have a job but he's still kind of an adolescent. Okay. <laughs> so it's been, it's taken me two years with lots of training and he still is getting ready to take the therapy dog test. So it takes, it can take a while. Um, some people luck out and get their dog that can um, be registered at a year old because okay. that's the uh, minimum. Mm-hmm. I've uh, registered um, a, um, a dog at, eight mm-hmm. so it it can be at all different ages and all different breeds of dogs okay. do you train the majority of dogs that you work with yourself do you get them from other resources kind of a mix or? yeah it is a little bit of a mix because soul friends had a dog gifted to us mm-hmm. after sandy hook through the freedom service dogs in denver okay and that's Lori's therapy dog partner nutmeg mm-hmm. okay so nutmeg came to us trained as Mm -hmm. a service dog uh, slash therapy dog. All the other dogs that have been working with us have been live at home with the therapist and have been through their own training. Okay. 
That's a lot that you have going on there professionally, mm -hmm. exciting in terms of the research and the presentations and actually training the dogs and then offering the services. Do you find families sometimes then are encouraged to get a pet for the child? We've seen that. I, in the last few weeks, a couple of kids have come who the, the parent wants to get a dog, mm -hmm. but the child, um, in both the situations, they were uh, kids with autism. Mm -hmm. And they both didn't want a dog, but the parents wanted a dog. So we're slowly exposing them to a calm dog. And then we'll move up to a larger sized dog mm -hmm. and then a more active dog. And to try and see if it's the right mix or not. And okay. sometimes it's not, you know, uh, and parents really wish that they had an animal and you can understand why. Right. But sometimes it's not a good fit. Okay. But we try to work on that. Wonderful. Well, shifting a little bit to your own personal story, what attracted you to social work in the beginning? I can thank my mother for that. Mm -hmm. She uh, was a teacher. My dad was a principal. And they worked with inner city kids their whole entire life. So I saw that by going to the school. Mm -hmm. And then my mother volunteered at a shelter for homeless women mm -hmm. when I was in sixth grade. and. I asked, what is that woman doing over there? What is she called? And my mother said, she's a social worker. And I said, that's what I want to be. From sixth grade on, I you know, went through knowing that was my calling. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with different populations of people. I've worked in geriatrics and psychiatry and hospice um, and with children. Mm -hmm. A lifelong pursuit that was part of you from the very early days. And you talked about things in your own life that really influenced, you believe, you know, in addition to all the, the scholarly pursuit, you've had empathy. So you had your own illness that, oh my goodness, came right out of the blue. And mm -hmm. here you have young children and how are you going to do this? And you had mentioned you had your first husband had died, right? Mm -hmm. So those were all life experiences that I'm sure inform your kind of approach. Yeah, it people. really makes a huge difference, particularly when you've experienced loss, mm -hmm. whether it's through a physical disability or the death of a, particularly a spouse. Mm -hmm. It uh, makes you appreciate the moment-to-moment -moment experiences and, and, and also helps me see children and families where they're at and not based upon a diagnosis mm -hmm. or, you know, they're not the kid with autism it's a child who lives with autism mm -hmm. it's different because i always made sure that my husband wasn't seen as a leukemia patient mm -hmm. he was a man who had leukemia and had a family and children and i was passionate about making sure that he got good care and be seen as the person that he was so i did that advocating for myself too mm -hmm. I could be called a difficult patient, probably. <laughs> but, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that I got the same care and empathy that I gave out to others. Mm -hmm. I had a guest on one time who said, you are not your disease, which is very memorable. It is. Psychiatric EPRN mm -hmm. who worked in many settings as well and had her own losses. And I thought that was so wise. It is wise. And that's what you're saying. Yep. Really. Right. You went to Our Lady of the Elms, and then you got your MSW um, from Smith College, and you've recently got these different credentials, and you're working with the, the play initiative there. 
which I think kids don't get to play as much as they used to do they, right? <laughs> no, they In don't. school, at least. What do you see happening kind of next? Well, I think next I'd like to pursue the play therapy mm-hmm. certificate. It's a long process. Okay. I'm halfway there with the credits, but not with the supervision. Okay. And I think, like with supervision, you're always learning. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I want to remember about the work that I do is that every day, every child, every family that I come across has something to teach me. Mm-hmm. And I just have to be uh, present enough and aware enough to listen. And that's true for the animals that I work with. There's times where my animals have, you know, uh, kind of sat in front of, on a kid's uh, feet. And I was like, why is, why is Bear doing that? And it ends up that that was the angriest child in the room. Okay. And Bear knew, mm-hmm. like, what to do. And, you know, I was present and was aware and then was able to know what to do clinically. Mm-hmm. But without the interaction from the animal, I would have, you know, stumbled on it maybe exactly at some point, maybe exactly. a little late in the game. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. As we age, we get a chance to reflect on our um, dreams, struggles, learnings. So what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, to practice patience. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do that now. Um, it's very hard when you have a physical disability to, um, be patient with yourself Mm -hmm. and what your limitations are and not see them as limitations, but things that you can learn to live with. So for my younger self, I would say be patient, enjoy the moment, be present, um, because life can change in an instant. Mm -hmm. Um, And it did for me twice in my young adult life with the loss of my husband and um, with my illness. And I was always worried about what's coming next. What am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. And instead, I've, I, I still struggle with, but I'm learning to pay attention to the moment and be present and patient. Beautiful. And do you have a favorite quote or mantra? Not directly that I can think of, but I love Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. Actually, my daughter is named after her, and I had the pleasure of seeing her at a presentation. Mm Her energy just lit up the room. She was an amazing speaker, and everything that she had to say resonated with me. She's an, she was an incredible human being. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. We learned a lot, and best of luck with all your endeavors. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in, and please listen for other fascinating guests on future segments of Midlife Matters. I'm George Ann Lucier, your host. Thanks again for joining. Thanks to our local producers and Team Hercules for production support. As told here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As told here brings community media to where you are.